Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and in this episode, we have Liz Long, who's the creator of Learn to Make a Product, which provides product entrepreneurs with expert guidance through each step of the manufacturing and product launch process, plus access to factory lists, tools, templates, and other must-have resources. And she actually has a lot of experience in product herself. She's co-founder of Bag the Habit, which replaced millions of single-use products through the sale of its high-quality reusable bags. And the company had worked with brands such as Martha Stewart, Guess, Lexus, The Discovery Channel, Oprah, and on and on. It's fair to say Liz has plenty of experience to help you create your own product. And we go through that whole process in this episode. As always, the show notes are at justgogrind.com slash podcast, and you can support the show, leave a rating and review over an Apple podcast. Yes, a rating and review in Apple podcast. Much appreciated. Thank you so much. Finally, The Grind, which was my community I had just launched in December of 2019. Applications are now open. They'll be closing in January, then reopening up again. The applications are now open. And The Grind is just a community, a curated community of entrepreneurs, creators, go-getters, and digital and in-person, helping people build their businesses, get ideas, get inspiration, make more of an impact together. And something I've been wanting to orchestrate, put together for a matter of months, and I'm finally launching it. Go to justgogrind.com slash the-grind, or you can find it from the homepage as well. But The Grind is now available, now open for applications. Check it out. Without further ado, here's Liz Long, the creator of Learn to Make a Product. Liz, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and there's a lot to talk about related to product, obviously. And to have your company learn to make a product, like you obviously have to get to the point where you know yourself how to do, how to do that. So where did you learn all about products in the first place? So I started one of the earlier reusable shopping bag companies, um, you know, to to replace paper and plastic and bags. And we had the good fortune of kind of being uh, just having great timing. And it was a period where a lot of really large companies wanted to, you know, bring reusable options in store. So we got all of these really, really huge, huge contracts very early (laughs) in my career where we're making like hundreds of thousands of units of product. And I'm like, Three years old. Um, but so I really got an education by just like having to go into factories, having to make it happen that way. Yeah. And that's obviously something you apply now to your company. So in terms of your company, so with Learn to Make a Product, how did that come about to actually create this company then? Yeah. So I, I had a lot of painful experiences, um, you know, just losing a lot of time and money and stress uh, with my first business. So you know, maybe about seven years in, I really, I started to get the hang of it. It took me a while. (laughs) Um, I started to understand what I was doing. And so I started being asked to like lead workshops and classes, you know, just about how someone does this and how they go to China or in the US or Mexico. We we had a number of different factories. Um, And so I started doing that and I really enjoyed it. Like I just... I, I loved it. I was getting paid well. Like I would launch these classes and we had like 20,000 people sign up. You know, it was just like, it it just kind of flowed. And I'm like, you know what? Like I'm going to do this now. Like this is going to be my next thing. Um, I had, you know, business partner and investors in the other business. I just, I wasn't as free to kind of do what I needed to do in life. And so for a lot of different reasons, it was like a natural segue. Yeah. It sounds like quite the difference in terms of this versus your other company. And 
And with the other one, so you said it was like seven years, investors, all that sort of thing. Um, what kind of was the, what were the challenges with the other business? I mean, there were a lot, but I, I think <laughs> that, like, the main thing is I was, a, like, I started when I was 22 years old. And I know there's lots of, you know, Mark Zuckerbergs out there. That wasn't me. I don't think that's most people, right? <laughs> like, I was really, like, learning as I went. And so there were a lot of opportunities that I probably could have capitalized on or just decisions, like funding decisions that I, you know, I, I cringe when I look back at it. Yeah. Um, and, and also just the stress. Like, I don't... I kind of identify almost with like the author archetype, if that makes any sense. Like I want to have a platform and a business, but I, I just like to be a little more independent Yeah. Um, so that I make my own decisions. And so when I started this, I, I was super intentional. Like I don't want a lot of staff. I, I just want to like do it a different way. And so kind of in the middle of that now. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And and with this new this new company, Learn to Make a Product, I mean, what were some of those then first things you you did to get this set up and figure out what this was actually going to be? Yeah. So I, you know, I, I learned a lot about my strengths and weaknesses with my first endeavor. And I knew that like, when it comes to marketing, I'm great. Like if you put me in front of a room with a microphone, like I can talk to people, I can pitch myself. But when it comes to audience building and really like building a community, I just don't enjoy it as much. All of, you know, like social media stuff, all that kind of like advertising, like tweaking your funnels. And it's just not my thing. I'm like, I like to be on the creative side. Yeah. And so I very intentionally partnered with people who had built in audiences. Um, so there is this platform called Makers Row, which is kind of like the Alibaba of the U.S., and they had me come on as their sourcing expert. So I was kind of like the face of education for their platform. They had a very large audience, very large platform. And so I was kind of able to tap into that as I was building my own clientele and reputation. And it was just a really like natural transition. And I've tried to do that kind of ever since. Because again, I just, I'd prefer to like speak to a, speak to an existing audience, yeah. which I think most people would. Of, you know? of course. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's just something I've kind of sought out intentionally. Yeah. And with those partnerships, I mean, Obviously, it's a huge thing, right? If you can get in front of other people's audiences and kind of leverage that for your business, it's amazing. Were there certain ones you were specifically targeting? Was that something you knew? Like, this is going to obviously be a huge part of your, your business. I, how did you approach that? Because I've also been thinking about partnerships and how I want to approach that. I'm just curious as to kind of how you thought about it. I really just thought, like, you know, what, what platforms, people platforms out there are dealing with entrepreneurs in the product space, e-commerce space? And what expertise can I share with them in order to get in front of their audience? You know, it, it wasn't more complicated yeah. than that. Um, and so I just like looked at the, the bigger players and I pitched them like, I can do this, I can do that. Um, and, you know, I started, the more I started to get out there um, and speaking and stuff like that, they, they would also come to me like, hey, can you like teach people this? And so, it, you know, it became more back and forth. Yeah. And then with, with the company then too, I mean, what are, like, obviously it's learn to make a product. What are the products and services? How are you helping people through this, this process? Yeah. So we have a, it's a subscription based service yep. and people come on and we give them personalized support. So they get a certain amount of consulting each month. Um, they get a proprietary framework that they can use as they launch, like a very intensive multi-step framework. They get factory introductions, they get templates, you know, they get all this kind of bundle of things. But the core of it is that they're working, you know, with an expert who's helping them make decisions as they launch. So like, is this a trustworthy factory? Is this the right price you should pay? How should you package your product? Like all of those things. <laughs> when it comes to physical products. Yeah. And with physical products, like you mentioned a few things right there. I mean, what are some of those biggest challenges or what are some of those hurdles that people have to overcome with these physical products? 
you know, it's, it's, it's like everything else. It's all about who you know and who you're working with. And so people, when they're a novice, they end up like going with any factory who's like, yes, I can make that widget. You know? <laughs> Especially beginners, they tend to put a lot of, I don't want to like, they, they're overly optimistic about how great partners are. Cause they're like, Oh, this is a factory with a website on the internet. They must be able to make my thing. You know, they show pictures of these <laughs> Like they, they're like, you know, it's that, it's that thing that they do when they're just so grateful to find someone and then they, you know, wire them $10,000 and when their things don't show up, you know, as designed, they're disappointed. So yeah. it's, like, it's just teaching them, you know, how to vet factories, how to, how to just be discerning throughout that process. Yeah. And with that, I mean, I like to have the details, Liz. So I'm just curious, any, any questions at all you would suggest people ask uh, to, to even go through that vetting process with finding you know, the right factory for their products? Yeah. So like the most, the biggest thing is the most obvious, but you'd be amazed that people don't do it. Like, have they made a super similar thing to yours? Like, let me give you an example. If you wanted to make, let's say you're making picture frames, right? And you wanted them to be made out of this material that's like the same as bicycles. I'm just like giving you an example. Some like lightweight, random thing. Yeah. And you went to a factory and they were like, yeah, we can do that. But the factory had only ever made wooden picture frames like that might not be the best fit you know what i'm saying like you would want to look at what factory has made the most similar picture frames to this very unique material that i want to use and you can't always get exactly because people have inventions and they have new ideas but you'd be surprised that people are like you know they're going to a factory that's like well we've never made picture frames but we make chairs really well and they're like great you know they said they can do it (laughs) so again it sounds obvious but you'd be amazed that people don't really like like use that criteria as the most important one they really just focus on price yeah and price is irrelevant if you're getting a bad product yeah and what i mean with that too then what are there some other things that people should be thinking about related to developing their product from the ground up then so you know when they're thinking about going through the development process because that's the most expensive hurdle to get in the door people don't realize that um so Really like looking at what's already on the market and iterating on that. Again, it sounds obvious, but you'd be amazed when people <laughs> you know, they go to a factory and they have this kind of loosely put together idea and then they're surprised that the sample they get from the factory isn't great versus someone who goes and orders like three products off the internet, kind of mocks them up to show the factory exactly how to imitate it. Like that person ends up getting a much higher quality sample and their development process goes a lot easier. Um, so it, again, it's these kind of straightforward things that people just don't do. Yeah. I mean, it seems straightforward, but like you said, why do you think it is people don't do them? <laughs> well, I mean, they seem straightforward when you're thinking about it now, but why do you think that is? Well, I think, you know, some of it is this common sense stuff that they just don't think to do it. You know, they're, they're so excited and kind of like overwhelmed by the whole process that they're not always thinking clearly, but there are other, you know, I don't mean to imply that it's all common sense because there's yeah. certain like in hacks or industry tips that you want to look out for. And I'll give you a great example. One is that if you're putting in a purchase order with a factory, anything over, I would say like $5,000, which is not a lot, you would absolutely want to send an inspector to the factory to like check out the factory, check out their equipment, you know, just see how they're doing. And what people assume is like, this is only something a big company can do. That sounds like really, you know, like expensive (laughs) or like really professional. And there are agents, you know, we, we connect people with these of people all the time that will go out and do it for like 200 bucks and they're totally legit they'll give you like a beautiful report and so it's that kind of stuff people just don't know to do yeah you don't know what you don't know and that's why that's why they should use liz to help them out um (laughs) along this process and i mean what other things 
I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of things, I guess, but I mean, that product development process itself, then what are some, maybe some other things that people should be thinking about along the way? You know, it's, it's a little outside of product, product development, but we do a lot more than just manufacturing. So we're helping people like through the whole process. And as I've done this now, you know, I've been doing this like 15, 17 years, you know, in this space altogether. And they're like message. It's all about messaging, right? It's like your images and your words. That's like how you connect with people. And people really, they think a lot, the, they think about pictures. They think about like, how am I going to photograph my product? But the messaging is one of the most underemphasized things. People don't like to pay for it. They just want to like come up with whatever's in their brain, like put it on the top of their website. You know, like <laughs> it's a thing that obviously large companies again hire experts to do this, but I find a lot of new entrepreneurs think they can kind of figure it out themselves. And that's one area of really seeing it make sense to either get help or kind of be a be a student of how to do it properly. And there's this book. I don't know if you've heard of this book. It's called Building a Story Brand. It's a very popular. Yeah. Um, yeah, I read it. Yeah. Okay. So it's a great book, right? Like even yeah. just reading something like that to really understand the importance of it, I think is something a lot of people don't do. That's like homework I'll give people right away before they launch. Yeah. And there's so much to the copywriting side of things, um, whether it be looking at different books to help you, like the story brand book. Um, there's a few other ones actually out there too. I'm sure people can look and find different ones, but it, it's such a huge part of your business and that messaging. And it seems like going back to understanding the target customer as well and seeing from their perspective, like what are they looking for? What are their pain points? Um, those types of things as well. There's a million products out there. So you, you you know, and you think you're being clear with like what you're saying, how yours is different or why people want it. But nine times out of 10 people aren't like you need that almost, you know, removed perspective to really help you. Yeah. And, and one of the things too, and with all these different things you're mentioning and the subscription you have, I mean, what are, can you tell us a little bit more about, about kind of what you offer? I know you mentioned a little bit, but more about what, uh, what people can get and how you can, how you can help them because there seems to be so much, so much value there. Yeah. So we kind of go through the whole process. You know, we start in product development. What decisions do you make there? We go through manufacturing, sourcing, quality control. You know, how do you how do you go in and check the factory to make sure they're doing the right thing? But then we come out through packaging and shipping. So importing is a big thing. If you're producing overseas, like how are you getting goods in the country? Yeah. How are you filling your orders for customers? And then we start to move over into their branding and their website. And again, a lot of the times their websites aren't always set up to convert. Um, and so that's, you know, people will put their great ideas out into the world and then be so deflated because they're like, no one wants to buy my thing. And it's, it's not necessarily obvious that the, the product is bad, but they just haven't positioned it well, whether it's the messaging, the photos, you know, whatever. Yeah. And so we kind of help through that whole process. Yeah. Which is definitely needed. And you said we, so I mean, who is involved? Who's the team for, for your company then? Yeah. So I have a, you know, a mighty team of contractors. Um, that is how I've structured this. Yeah. So people, when they're dealing on the expertise side, they'll be mostly dealing with me. Um, I also have a research assistant. We have a tech person who helps them. We have some branding and messaging experts. So, you know, they'll be interacting with a variety of people depending on what they're working on. Um, But we take on a limited number of people and, you know, most of the time they're dealing with me directly. Yeah. And with that too, I mean, obviously building a team is is it's challenging for for anyone, for any someone starting a company and even getting contractors. I mean, where did you end up going? What did you use like an Upwork, like different sites? I'm curious yeah, as how you found yours. You know, my, my longest time kind of right-hand person has been with me from the beginning. And I forget how we even connected. Now. It's been so long, <laughs> but, um, 
but everyone else has been trial and error, you know, I, and that's a huge asset, you know, when you work with any consultant who's good yeah. is that they have those relationships because they've gone through and seen people, you know, seen those kind of contractors or experts do good things for their people. So I've kind of like brought those people into the fold as I've come across someone really good. It's, it's really just been a, like a time thing. Yeah, it makes complete sense. And and with your business too, I mean, you mentioned obviously it's a subscription. You have different levels. I mean, how did you come to the the business model behind behind this in terms of the pricing, in terms of um, yeah, the actual okay. business model? So when I was first starting out, I knew that I just wanted to like start working with people one on one. So I I literally just did hourly consulting, even though I knew that that clearly wouldn't be you know what we did in the long term. Yeah. But I took I want to say about two years and just. Um, just like got in there and talked to people and saw really like what they needed to know. And it wasn't necessarily the most lucrative period of my business, although it was fine, but like the the sacrifice of really understanding what people need and want was 100% worth it. Um, And so that is kind of how I decided on this subscription thing. Cause I realized people didn't actually need a ton of time. They just needed on demand time. So they needed like the way our subscription works. You can check in with a phone call for five minutes one day, you know, we might email back and forth for three minutes the next day. Like you can really drip time throughout the month. Yeah. And I thought that was what people needed in order to make good decisions. Um, otherwise they were like left to on their own. They needed like a right-hand person there. Yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. And and with that process of talking to customers, I mean, what were some of the things you were asking about, you were trying to, to, to figure out and or to develop this business model? Cause it's such a huge part of any business is really that customer discovery yeah. and figuring that out. I'm just cururious for you. what Honestly, it looked like. I was kind of more of an observer. And I think this is something like I encourage clients to do when they are going through their, you know, their kind of product testing, um, figuring out what they want to offer. I just was in conversation with people and obviously I'm showing up and providing expertise and guiding them. Um, but I was kind of just being a watcher and that is like, like just taking in all that information was so, so helpful. And I think people don't kind of do that enough because even when we have people do like serving and stuff, they'll go like their three set questions they want to ask. And you can just learn if you're willing to put in the time. And this is what a lot of people aren't willing to do you know, you can get so much from the nuance of those conversations. That's just even hard to like, you, you can't replicate it without putting in that time. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's, it's, it's so important. Um, it's so helpful to, to develop those insights that really, I mean, determine what your business is going to be uh, yeah. because those are the people you're serving at the end of the day. And, and with your business too, I mean, how do you kind of manage the, the short term versus long term and thinking about, okay, what I need to accomplish uh, in the next few days, next few weeks, next few months versus, okay, what I want this business to be in a year or two or three or four? How do you look at that process of your business? Yeah. So I, I really slowed down and I, I, tr- I consider myself a long-term thinker and prioritizer now in the sense that I'm, I'm don't feel like I'm rushing. That was probably my biggest error in my younger years. I just, you know, you're caught up in that. Like I have to be first, I have to get out there. Everything is, I, you know, we're coming up on the holidays now. So we have a whole bunch of entrepreneurs in our community who are like, if I don't get this product up by the holidays, I'm never going to make it. You know, <laughs> And I just, you know, after going through enough, you're like, that's not the way it works. Like it was, it's just not. Um, so, so I try and slow down. So that's like my kind of, you know, baseline thing, but how I handle the short-term stuff is I'm really pretty disciplined about having a daily highlight. So I got this from, do you know the make time book? I'm a big reader. So I don't think um, so. Yeah. So it's, it's a great book on, on focus and prioritizing and I've read all, a whole lot of them, but this is, you know, it's like, <laughs> like one little thing from each of those books. Right. Of course. And the thing I took from theirs was just, 
I prioritize my one task each day and I don't open email until around 11 o'clock until I've like focused and done that thing. And so that's how I really plow through the immediate tasks. And I always know maybe the next like two or three projects our business will work on, you know, like, I don't know, like doing a new SEO strategy or something like that. I, I kind of, and I have those written down on my desktop at all times, but other than that, I don't try and think too far ahead in terms of the actual planning. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's my strategy. Yeah, no, I like it. And I think that's important to have that. I think I might've been, I think it was Tim Ferriss uh, in four hour work week mentioning, uh, you said one, but he's mentioned like, like two primary tasks per day and having that be your guide for everything. And um, as you go on through throughout time, then you're doing you know, kind of an 80, 20 analysis of, you know, making sure you are doing the most valuable tasks you can, but really on the day to day micro level, looking at what are those two primary tasks and kind of going through those first. Uh, I think that's always been helpful for me as well. I have a huge list always as any entrepreneur would, um, but then looking at, okay, what things actually move you forward and what are, you know, will it be one or two things? It needs to be kind of that focus. Uh, otherwise it can seem like there's a thousand things to do every day. Which one do yeah. I do? <laughs> I'm really into the concept of like preserving your energy too. So even like if you get online in the morning, you check email, it's like that mental, you know, engine starts going in your brain. Even if you just check emails, you don't get back to them. You're like, Hey, I'm going to work on my project, you know, for an hour. It's like, I'm trying to preserve and also keep my energy and focus pure in the morning. If that makes any sense. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and I love it. Like I just, it's, it's really out of everything I've done. It's really worked for me. Yeah, I think that's that's great and something that's uh, definitely needed. I think everyone kind of figures out their own schedule and their own way of working, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but that definitely seems like a good way to go. And and you mentioned it with the partnerships in your business to to grow and everything. What have been some other growth strategies or ways you've acquired new customers and kind of approach like growing the business? So you know, again, this is another partnership strategy, but a bit differently, but, sure. but a bit different. So we because of the nature of our business, we're constantly introducing entrepreneurs to any number of vendors, be it like designers, you know, web people, factories, all that. So what we started doing was really trying to connect with all of those partners because right, they're dealing with other entrepreneurial people coming through their doors. Um, And so, you know, basic affiliate program, but saying to them like, Hey, send us people your way. Here's how we incentivize you, you know, with commission, whatever that is. And so really tapping into that network. Um, and again, it goes back to like my, just me knowing my core strength and that's always been a strength of mine. And so it's been in like a natural way for me to grow. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. And the affiliates, I mean, that can be a huge way of getting people on board. Would it be referrals or affiliates to, to grow? Cause it's just, you know, it's mutually beneficial. And yeah. so it just kind of makes sense with those right partners. It seems like, uh, that's a great way to go as well. And you know, what is kind of the, the grand vision for the company moving forward? So, you know, it's kind of back to how I said, like the author archetype thing. I I want to be able to synthesize everything I've learned over this period at some point, you know, three to five years and put it, I guess the most likely thing would be some sort of book, but I'm not like married to, to what exactly it is, but I want to be able to take like everything that's been in my brain, every all the experiences and stories that I've watched of other entrepreneurs and put it into some digestible thing. <laughs> like, and I'm like, <laughs> what that is. But I don't feel like I'll be able to rest or leave and go on to the next thing in my career um, until I do that. So, <laughs> so that's kind of my, that's my goal. Yeah. That's, it's funny you mentioned that. I thought about that too. Like, how do you share these insights? I obviously I'm doing the podcast, but um, in an organized way or other things, other conversations you have with people, it's like, yeah, how can you share your insights with others and 
the best way. <laughs> There's so many things I'm sure you've learned over the years with yeah, your experience. Like you know, we all have our own little personal masterpiece on like what we've dedicated ourselves to. And I'm, <laughs> like, I'm going to at some point need to get that out of my system. Yes. Oh, for sure. And and one of the things too I'm curious about is with with starting a business, if someone asked you, you know, okay, what should I do? I'm about to start a business. What are some of those first things you would say someone should think about before launching a business? I mean, I, I, I don't know how you feel, but I, I feel like they need to ask themselves if they're really willing to pay the price of being self-employed, you know, being entrepreneurial. Um, it's just so glorified, right, in like so many outlets. And the reality is just not like that. So that like soul searching <laughs> is literally like the first thing I would say. Um, and just, you know, if they have like the stamina for all of the ups and downs, because if you're someone who gets easily agitated, you're going to either need to like really work on that or, um, or it's just not going to be for you because there's, there's, there's just so much you have to deal with. So that's number one. Yeah. Um, then, you know, there was an, like a, an accelerator in New York I interviewed once and they said that all of their entrepreneurs coming in, they made them talk to a hundred people. So a hundred could be experts, customers, all of that. And I've tried to have our people do something similar, maybe not a hundred, but again, go out and do that learning before you totally dive in um, through conversations, you know, however, however you want to do it. Um, yeah. But the guy, and I forget his name, but the guy interview was like, every single time when people meet this hundred person mark, they end up changing their model or their product for the better. Um, they, it never stays the same. And I think that's really profound that if you do go out and seek that input, you will be better off before you even start. Yeah. I can't understand that underscore that enough. It's, it's one of the most important things. And I'm uh, in, in the MBA right now at USC and there's so many things we're learning about with customer discovery and just my own experiences as well. And like having those conversations, like you mentioned, I mean, it can be so impactful and you can't help but change your thinking or business model or company around that for the better <laughs> after actually having conversations with people. Yep. And, and one of the things I'm wondering too, you mentioned you were a reader as well and mentioned books as well. I mean, what are some of the, what have been some of the most like valuable resources in your career so far? It's hard, it's hard for me to answer because I read like one or two books a week. Um, so every recent like, then, <laughs> like always, like the you know the most recent one is the one I'm like thinking of most. True. Um, okay, so this one is not going to apply to all of your listeners, but it's totally okay. One I really liked. It's called Fair Play, and it's about how to divide responsibilities in your home. So you know whether you're married, have a partner, if that applies to you, you know how are you going to split it up because the ladies, you know, statistically end up taking on a lot, a lot, a lot more. Um, I have two young children. I'm married and yep. it is a, you know, if, if things are not fair, it is a direct detractor from, from your path as a woman. And so that is like, I'm, I'm really into that. I'm really into that <laughs> right now and, and encouraging other people to, I'm really lucky to have a husband who is 100% on board with exploring that. But even with our relatively egalitarian open relationship, it's still hard to figure out. So I, I just, I'm really into it. So it's called fair play. Um, yes. so that's my, that's my recent favorite. Perfect. I mean, with the reading too, I mean, are you, you say you like read that many books. When do you find the time or when do you make, find the time, make the time for reading typically? Okay. So I, I have kind of a bizarre schedule. I go to bed really early and I wake Ooh. up really early. So I have, you know, hours before the rest of the world wakes up. And so <laughs> I usually read from about, you know, 7.30 to 8.30. And then 
I kind of get up at three or four, you know, and so I'm, I, I'll read for a bit in the morning again, and I, I get a lot done in that time. Yeah, I actually find that schedule to be the best schedule. Um, I want a similar schedule. I don't, there's some of the few. I feel like it's just the best way to get things done. Because like you said, the world's sleeping. The other day, I was sitting in front of our fireplace at like 2.45. I'm like, this. I'm like, am I taking it too far? Like, it is really <laughs> 2 in the morning. It's, it's funny. Yeah, I had the exact same thought like last week. I was like, is this is it too crazy? Like, like am I going? What are you? Where, I just, yeah, I love it. Like, my body loves it. My mind loves it. Um, and I don't. And this is another thing. Like, I don't watch TV at night. I just read at night. It's not. I like love TV. It's just I'm in the flow of doing it. So I'll sometimes get into a series, but like most of the time, I'm reading. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I think I mean, obviously reading is so powerful for a number of reasons. Um, and it doesn't have to be just business books. Obviously, there's so many different things you can read about, learn about. It's kind of that constant mentality of, of learning and growing. But then I've, I have found whether it be business ideas or even being able to kind of help other people, you have those diverse perspectives, even just from reading and hearing about different different companies or different um, stories and everything you can apply, which I find just very, very useful. And a lot of entrepreneurs kind of have been voracious readers, um, which has been helpful for their careers as well. Yeah, yeah, I get, I get something in every book. Yeah, oh, for sure. Even if it's just one or two things, there's always seems to be something. And and with building a business uh, over the last years and other business you had as well, I mean, what do you do typically to recharge and to get make yourself the best at work? Um, I do a lot of sleepovers with my girlfriends. I do more sleepovers than your average Perfect. woman. <laughs> um, yeah, that's just my thing. So we get a we get a hotel room like every four to five weeks, and I go away for a night. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. How did that start? Um, so I I lived in New York City for a long time, and then I moved to Philadelphia, and my uh, you know several of my best girlfriends were still in New York, so we'd have to like meet somewhere, um, either midway or you know one of us would go to the other city. And so that's how it started. So we'll just like go on hotel tonight, you know, find something. It's like very casual. Um, yeah. We don't care where we are particularly. We just want to hang out. That's that's awesome. And I will say every time I've gone on like trips with, with my best friend, for instance, he also has his own business thing. We're like, we're always just so rejuvenated after or yeah. so excited and like, yeah. you know, full of energy after. Yeah. I think there's something to that, something magical about being in a different place and just, um, yeah, having that. That's different... what I think it is too. You're, there, there is something really special about that. Yeah. And looking back in your career as well, I mean, are there any other like, lessons in particular or, or things you want to mention um, that you've picked up over over the years of growing businesses? Um, I guess one of my other little quirks is that I am really obsessive about like cataloging my mistakes. And I know there's a big thing, like obviously learn from your failure. That's, that's cliche advice, but I kind of am, am a little more science sciencey about it Ooh. in the sense that I keep, I just keep a tracking document and anytime I lose time or money or I'm really super stressed out, but it's usually like, you know, some frustration yeah. or loss. I just log it. Um, and I log what happened. And then because, you know, you have the power of hindsight, I, I'm always like, okay, what could I have done to prevent it? And like looking at that log over the years, I've been doing it for so long and I'm getting better, but <laughs> it is embarrassing how like you literally make, they look like different mistakes on the surface, but they all stem from the same behavioral pattern. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so when you're, when you look at that, um, I'll, I'll just give you an example. Like one of my big things is I would know that I shouldn't do something or the business shouldn't do something, but I'd be working with someone, maybe it's a, a business partner or an advisor or something. And I, I wouldn't kind of override their input. 
either because, you know, I'm trying to be nice, even though I had the, you know, I wasn't capable or in control or in charge, I should say, I still wouldn't always listen. And so I'd see time and again that things would go south, just like I thought they would, you know, so it was like that thing. Um, but I have lots of different ones. That's not the only one. <laughs> um, but just like that practice has been really enlightening for me to look at my own, um, you know, my own behaviors. How long ago did you start that? Oh, it's been uh, like 10 years. And do you remember how exactly that started? Yeah, I lost a shit ton of money. <laughs> I, lost- <laughs> I, I had like a really big, like, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in one day. It was, and people lose more, but for me, it was a lot. Yes. Um, <laughs> And yeah, that's, that's when I started. I'm like, never again. That's unique. I like it a lot. Yeah, it, it is. But like, I, I love our clients. So I don't want to speak ill of anyone we work with, but it's, it's the one thing that can rile me up a little bit about people we work with or, or entrepreneurs when I'm kind of coaching them when they, when it's always like everyone else's fault, like, you know, the factory did this and this vendor did this. And, you know, of course there's going to be upsetting things, but like, there's usually something you do to contribute to things like nine times out of 10. And and if you can't get in the habit of having that reflection and that humility, like it, you know, you're just not going to progress in the same way and you're going to be miserable. So, so that's one thing that I can get a little frustrated when they're like resistant to. Yeah. Oh, for, for, I mean, completely. Yes. That's definitely. And I'm thinking about that. I just can't get over this document. I, I think I need to start this because there's so many like, lessons, you know, there's so many different things you can learn. Uh, we all make mistakes, uh, you know, especially trying to grow companies. There's so many different things you, you make a mistake about and like to not make the same ones or try to learn from them is incredibly valuable. But if you actually write it down, I think that's helpful. And for me, about, yeah, yeah. you know, you gotta have a little column. Yeah. What did you lose? Oh yeah. It seems yeah. incredibly useful. And I always have been journaling. That's something I've done for years. Um, so not exactly the same, but this strategic way seems very interesting for sure. And I think it's a big takeaway yeah, from you kind of more. You're like, Oh, I did this like seven times. You know, the past year. <laughs> like pattern recognition. Like, like, God damn it. Like why, right. why again? Um, <laughs> and one of the things I wanted to ask about too, with, uh, with being a member of dreamers doers, I'm curious with, with that group, how has that been helpful in your journey so far? I love that group. It's such a, like a, a great, group of people from all walks of life. I think it's so important to have those things. Um, so, you know, when you, you, when you need feedback, right, you, you want a group of people to go to, and I've structured this current company in such a lean way that I, it's not like I have a a big team to always get feedback from. And so having like high level smart people that can give you feedback on your business, like duh, it's like really important. And so that's what they've given me. Um, that's one of the best benefits. Yeah. I mean, when getting feedback, I mean, how are you typically phrasing the question or like requesting it? Simple stuff like, Hey, you know, we have this new landing page. Like, what do you think of it? You know, just stuff like that. Um, and honestly, I thought I have other people in my immediate professional circle. I'm also asking, but it, to just tap into that network of of people with good, you know, discernment has been wonderful. Yeah, because it is vetted, and there's all people who are obviously trying to help you out and try, want to help, which is why they're in the group yeah. in the first place. Yeah, which is amazing. Um, and that's something actually I'm, I ask always because I'm I'm curious about starting something um, community wise with that because of all the people I'm meeting. Um, and so I'm always curious as to what the value add for people is in being in these groups. And I've used to be in a mastermind group and same type of thing. You get feedback, you could ask questions. Um, it's so useful, I think, to have that. I- like if I had to prioritize what I've gone out of it, like the friendship is definitely like the first, just like yeah. the, the pleasure of it. Um, yeah, I think that's probably 
the biggest takeaway for everyone. But yeah. yeah, oh for sure. And and Liz, where can people go to learn more about you and all that all that you're doing? Learn to make a product.com. Ooh, perfect. Liz, <laughs> thank you so much for the time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for all the great questions. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. I really appreciate it. If you haven't already, check out The Grind, which is a community where entrepreneurs, creators, and other go-getters can connect digitally and in person to build their businesses, get ideas and inspiration, make an impact, and support others pursuing their dream. The goal of this community when I created is, is really simple. It's to use our collective experiences, skills, connections, and unrelenting ambition to make a bigger impact on the world. And during my time at USC, growing this podcast, attending conferences. I've met so many incredible people and wanted to have a way to connect them, a place where they could reach out to each other, get support, but also then just leverage the skills we have to do more. And this community is exactly that. Learn more at justgrind.com slash the dash grind. You can also find it from the homepage, justgrind.com. Check it out. Thank you.